It has happened. The New York football giants have won their first game in the 2020 season, beating Washington in a thriller 20 to 19. We break down Daniel Jones's performance, Riverboat Ron's decision to go for two in the final minute, and we'll preview Thursday night's game against the Eagles in Philly. To celebrate the victory, we'll chat with my best dressed, best dancing teammate. It's Cruz. Victor Cruz joins the pod. It's all next on a happy recap edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts, but be sure to give us that five-star rating and write a nice review. If you do use Apple Podcasts, we appreciate your support. Joining us on today's Blue Rush is the man who did the salsa like no other. It's Super Bowl 46 champion, fan favorite, fashion guru. It's Cruz. Victor Cruz joins the show. Your host of Blue Rush are the Post Giants, longtime beat writer Paul Schwartz, and two-time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker Lawrence Tynes. Hey, fellas, how about we get the first victory lap edition of the podcast going, shall we? Let's do it. Paul, the Giants get it done thanks to Mr. Irrelevant scoop and score. Are you a believer? Well, well, let, let's go easy with the believer stuff. But look, beggars can't be choosy. 0-5, 1-5 is a lot better than 0-6. There's no question about it. And um, yes, you mentioned Mr. Irrelevant, Tay Crowder. This is what Giants have come to here, where the last player picked 255 in the draft in 2020 had to save the Giants bacon in this game. But you know, <laughs> this, this was a Joe Judge game for me, right? You, yeah. you always remember your first, as they say, right, Lawrence? And this That's is right. the first for Joe Judge. Um, they doused him in the locker room afterwards. They gave him the game ball. You've been in some victorious locker rooms. This is not exactly Super Bowl or championship stuff, no. but uh, they were happy. I'm sure, you know, they were happy. What do you, what do you take out of that? Yeah, I thought it was, you know, I read a lot of the guys were happy for coach judge and listen, he's put in a lot of work. This team has put in a lot of work and they haven't seen any fruits of their labor until today. And even though they had to eke it out, I, you know, a win's a win and no one apologizes for winning in the NFL. And I think the guys were happy for Joe judge. He's handled everything the right way. Owen five stinks. Their last win was somewhere around 300 days ago. So they feel good. Listen, you feel good when you win in the NFL. I mean, it just is so damn hard to win. Those guys, you know, probably had a bunch of smiles on their face and then they'll go to work with a newfound purpose this week on a short week, obviously, but they'll go to work tomorrow smiling and, and feeling good and the food will taste better and meetings won't seem as long so a win's a win yeah joe judge you know he was very easy quick to deflect he feels good for the players uh you know good for the fans good for the staff and i finally had to ask him after the game i said you know he was saying everyone enjoyed this and i said did the head coach enjoy it too and he said yeah i did i'm sure i'll turn the tape on and you know and then he was kind of like back in coaching mode and said there's gonna be things i like things i don't like and one thing about judges he's consistent he said look when we lost all these games I went to the tape and I said what was good and what was bad and he didn't harp on the results as much as the performance and what was good and what was bad just because they won this game there was a lot of imperfection we'll talk about that he was very consistent with that as far as saying there's a lot of good there's a lot of bad I think the best comment was from Leonard Williams about this game he said 
it was obviously exciting. We finally got our win. It was funny. He said, we finally got our win. Like, you know, it's just one little single win. He said, we finally got it. And he said, it was obviously an ugly win, though. Yeah. Pretty, but ugly. Uh, Lawrence, the offense did not score a point in the second half of this game. And Daniel Jones throws a really bad interception. He's got to throw the ball out of the end zone. He does not from the seven-yard line. Yeah. And it looked for a long time like Daniel Jones and his offense was going to be the demise of this team, didn't it? Yeah, they uh, again, they started fast. You get some nice plays. You get the ball to Ingram. It, it seems like every week they're they're finding ways to get him involved early, and then he just vanishes. So um, they struggled really bad in the second half. I thought, you know, he was he needs to get the ball in the stands on the interception. It, it was obviously a bad call, but you got to throw that ball away. They just aren't doing enough to help this team. I mean, I, I think Washington had 70 offensive plays to the Giants, 45. I mean, that's a lot of play differential and not a lot of opportunities for this Giants offense. I thought they ran the ball well at times with Freeman, but Daniel Jones did not look very good, to be honest. I mean, he got outplayed by Kyle Allen, and that was really kind of the difference in the game, you know, minus the scoop and score. I thought Kyle Allen outplayed um, Daniel Jones. You could really sum up Daniel Jones in two positive plays, right? If you want to say what helped them win. A beautiful yeah. lob pass to Darius Slayton, right? That that kind of rainbow pass for a touchdown. Yeah, it was a, it was a great throw. Great throw, right? That's the old quote-unquote Danny Dimes that people saw as a rookie, right? Yep. Dropping the ball into the basket there. And then a 49-yard run, which is just unheard of around the Giants. And I like Darius Slayton's line about that. He's, I knew he could run, but he said, I thought it was Daniel Jackson out there for a second. <laughs> I, mean, that was, I thought for a second he was going to take it all the way. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot there from Daniel Jones. No, he didn't do a whole lot and they you know the RPO game again it's like they they get off to these fast starts and I don't know if these are scripted plays by Garrett but again they're getting down into the red zone and they just look like they have no idea how to play football when they get down there there's too many field goals being kicked I don't know if it's a scheme thing I don't know if it's a size thing you know they are just really struggling when they get down in that red zone you know it's a problem when the former field goal kicker is complaining about too many field goals yeah you're, you're right though you're right um, it, you know, do, you a, do you ever get a complex when when people like me always said the Giants had to settle for a field goal and it's yeah. like that's that's your job no well yeah you just want to make them all but but the fans don't like it. And we have seen way too many with this yep. offense. For some reason, it, it's like they get down there and there's just no imagination offensively. It's like there's one read and then he's sacked or he has to get rid of the football. I'd like to see some movement, some misdirection, some rollouts, some RPO, some something. I mean, it's like they just cannot get going down there. And it's obviously they're still trying to figure out what they're good at, which right now is nothing in the red zone. So now this was fascinating, Lawrence. You know, the game starts, right? And you see you kind of get some rumblings and you see where is Andrew Thomas at left tackle? Okay, he's not hurt, you know, unless he got hurt in warmups. He did not get hurt in warmups. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way Joe Judge and this coaching staff has benched Andrew Thomas for performance. Matt Pert, the third round draft pick who – you know, most people think is not ready to play is in there. It turns out, first of all, what did you think when you saw that? You know, real quick, what did you think when you saw that? <laughs> I had no clue. I, I was like, wow, he kept this close to the vest because we never heard anything about it all week. And then I thought, well, you know what? Here we are in week six, they're on five. Matt Pert has some big upside. We've all heard about it. He's got real long arms and as potentially a left tackle. So I thought, hell, they just stuck him in there. But obviously we found out later that wasn't the case. But he did play well when he was in there. I mean, he didn't, he didn't make any alarming mistakes. Yeah, I mean, right. But they, right, You could see him moving in maybe a right tackle for Cam Fleming. He's not. They're yeah. not going to take the yeah, fourth no. in the draft off the field for performance. And How many uh, snaps was he in for? Do you know? Um, you know, I, I don't have the snap counts yeah. yet. But, you know, it, it was not. He was the whole first quarter. 
Okay. And so, and, and so Joe Judge said after the game, look, it was not performance-based, and it was he violated team policy. There was nothing disobedient, disrespectful, okay. or malicious. And what it was, he was late for the team meeting on Saturday night, which you know is a no-no, right? Yeah, you can't miss that one. He must have had a big dinner and fell asleep. Late. He must late. have fell asleep. Yeah, late. Late for the meeting. No good. Afterwards, in a statement, Andrew Thomas said, I was late for our meeting. Coach Judge always talks about actions have consequences, and I take responsibility for my action, and this is what I liked. He said, it won't happen again. This could turn out to be a positive. I think his worth ethic is fine, but uh, Matt Pert did play well. But interestingly, in the third quarter, Andrew Thomas gives up. He, he does not block on, block on the backside, and I think Montez Sweat takes down Freeman for a one-yard loss yep. on third down, and the next series, Matt Pert was in. So I think that was performance-related. It was. Yeah, I remember the play you're talking about, third and one down there in the red zone and just backside. It wasn't a red zone play, was it? It was just a third and one. And he completely almost whiffed on that block, and, and Freeman gets tackled from the backside. You, you do like to hear him say that. Listen, I got fined one time as a rookie, and I never got fined the rest of my career. Same thing. I was late to something. And you only get fined once because in college it's laps and the NFL it's money. So you don't like losing money or giving it back. Right. You were not a first round pick. So your money was maybe different than a little bit different. Yeah. But, but money is money, right? Money, money is, is money. money. Yes. Yes. They, did you feel real small after that? Or were you like, you know, I'm, I'm sure Tom Coughlin was very understanding to the Scottish rookie kicker who. Uh, no, no, no. This was, this was in Kansas City. Ah, it was, Kansas City. Um, it was uh, Coach Vermeil. Yep. And he was very similar, you know, fun guy, but he he had a stern way about him. And I was only late once. So I can honestly say I was only late once. That's good. That's why you're a rich man today, right? <laughs> That's debatable. <laughs> sure. Now, now this, this is, um, look, this is a very weird season. And, and the Giants players said that, that they kept an eye out. Look, they really couldn't say it when they had a big fat zero in the win column, but they did say it after the game that they have noticed this, division and yeah. the Giants have one win and the Cowboys have not played yet right they play Monday night the Giants only have one fewer win than the Cowboys do this is two and three for the Cowboys the Eagles were up next one four and one the Giants one and five Washington one and five we've said earlier in this podcast you know earlier in the year that we can't get into any of this division crap until they win a game yeah well, lo and behold, they won a game, and 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 Leonard Williams admitted that, yeah, I, it's kind of we're kind of pumped up by this. Should they be? Well, listen, it, the NFL is is such a mental business, and when you're getting beat and you're down, they were kind of playing like that. This a lot of those people in that locker room have not experienced winning whatsoever, and this is going to ignite. Now, does it propel them to a six game win streak? I don't know, but I will tell you this: as meaningless as this game may seem to the outside world the Giants nation. This is a huge deal because these players that have never won and these players that have been on this team for a while that have consistently lost football games, they look at the division, they're going to go to practice tomorrow with a renewed sense. And I actually think the best thing going for them is that they get to do it again in four more days. They're not going to practice real hard. There'll be a lot of mental stuff this week and they'll let them rest. And listen, it's a quick bus ride. They're not hopping on an airplane. They're going to jump on the bus and go down to Philly. I think this is the best thing that can happen to them. And sure, yes, a win is a win, but I think it's important for these guys to have gotten this win today. It just makes everything better. And I think they will. We'll see a renewed sense. Now, listen, there's a lot of flaws on this football team. Let's not deny that, but they did win. And I think that's important for everyone in that building right now. Okay, Lawrence Tyne says a win is a win. 
Well, you know what? This win likely would have been a loss if not for Tay Crowder. Yeah. And a lot of people who were saying, who? Yeah. Right? I mean, who? Tay Crowder really is it was yeah. is, you know, he was not a guy I was focusing on to be a key to this game, but yeah, Crowder he had 10, he had 10 tackles too. He played well. Yeah, he played well. Our guy Blake Martinez had 14 yeah. tackles. And, and man, was he kept on getting up and getting knocked around. He Ooh. was he had a uh, was in the a tenth for a concussion protocol. I mean, he was he was he's one of those guys, Blake Martinez. Look, these Thursday night games after Sunday games, I feel for the players. I really do. People yeah. say, oh, they get paid a lot and all this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to enough players who can't get out of bed on a Monday after a game. And yeah, it's tough until Wednesday, right? To just kind of feel like themselves. And it, but it's if you, could, if you could pick one, this is the perfect scenario. You're on a bus for an hour and a half. You're not flying across the country somewhere for two or three hours. This is the perfect setup for them. They've just won a football game. And let's see if we can go win two in a row, which they haven't done in almost a year. So yeah. now we got to give, um, you know, uh, uh, the general manager, Dave Gettleman, gets gets hit on a lot, you know, rightly so for a, a lot of bad moves that people think he's made. And quite frankly, some that he certainly has made bad moves. Yeah. Signing Kyla Fackerel looks like a good move. Big, yeah. He played well for them. Now, he had a touchdown earlier in the season on a long return. He hits Allen, strip sack, fumble. Yeah. And the ball bounces to down. And now you're a rookie, Tay Crowder. We mentioned Mr. Irrelevant, the last player picked in the draft out of Georgia. His first instinct, he says, is to fall on the ball, right? You you have to recover that ball, fall on it. So what does he do? He kicks it. Yeah. <laughs> he kicks it, and then he kind of scoops it up himself and runs 43 yards, gets a block from another rookie, Cam Brown. And I like what... Joe Judge said about this. This this play just saved Joe Judge's first win here, right? Goes from 13-13 to 20-13. to At that point, it looked like the Giants are never going to score on offense. Well, and, thank God he, he did because I didn't have any faith in the offense. Nope. And Joe Judge says, well, yeah, that was a good play. But, you know, Tay has got to bend his knees there to scoop <laughs> the ball up. That's a coach coaching to the very end, right? He is. He is. He, he He's never going to stop coaching those guys. But it was a hell of a play by a young guy who had a, has a nose for the football. So, Fackrell, to your point, I think Leonard Williams has played great. Logan Ryan, I know he gave up the big touchdown late, but Logan Ryan played as well as anybody today on that field. He was everywhere. And you could tell he wanted it. He was playing with so much passion today. Listen, the, that was a hell of a throw by Kyle Allen. Let's tip our cap. But I'll say this, Logan Ryan and that defense was on the field again way too long. They cannot get off the damn field on third down. It's mind-blowing to me. But, you know, they they did just enough to win. Julian Love, who was in the game because of injuries, he has good coverage on the tight end and just does not make a play for the ball in the end zone. And, yeah. you know, Julian Love is a guy who's kind of didn't play a lot at all last year for Shermer. Then he plays a little bit at the end, and, and everyone kind of thought, me included, that he's going to be kind of the apple of – of this new coaching staff's eye and he gets the chance to play and then he gets benched and you got to wonder, you know, they need these young tough, guys to pick it yeah, up. Yeah, that was a tough matchup with Logan. I mean, six, 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 seven balls thrown outside shoulder out of bounds almost. And Logan just goes and gets it again. I think that's kind of something we're lacking. We can talk about it maybe some other time, but we don't have any size down in the red zone. And, you know, he just throws the ball up and Logan Thomas went and got it. It was a hell of a throw. Kyle Allen is actually, you know, he can make some tough throws. I thought he played, he outplayed Daniel Jones today yeah. for sure. Yeah. Now, um, I know you were keeping an eye on a lot of games. You had a, a little fun fact about Carson Wentz in the Eagles' loss today. What was that? He threw for three yards in the first half. And the NFL, 2020, that's that's hard to do. That's almost like – that's impossible, no? It's almost like the New York Jets. <laughs> he ends up with 240-something, so obviously he had a hell of a second half. But, wow, three yards? 
But you know, the Eagles are, they're like, a, you know, right now they're kind of like a punch drunk boxer, but they have, they, they never go down. You know what I mean? They lose. Yeah. They're down 24 to six. They're down 30 to 14. You know, the Giants are playing at the same time. So I'm keeping like half an eye on that game. All of a sudden somebody says, I see they're a two point conversion away from tying the game, you know, against the Ravens for goodness sake. So yeah. uh, the Giants are going in, I wouldn't say a buzzsaw. First of all, what were you in all your years with the Giants going? Going to Philly is a whole different animal, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you, know, you lose a lot down there. The link, it's, it's just a funky place. There'll be, what, five, 6,000 fans. It won't be that rabid, you know, eagle yeah. maniacs that, that we normally used to. But that's just a different different place. We're going to let all the inmates out for work release, and that's their job is to go to the stadium on Thursday. So it's a tough place to play. But again, I, it's a new coach. And the coach is from Philly. I, I read where he'll have some friends down there. It's just a tough place to play. And it's really the football team. But I don't think the crowd's going to have much to do with it this week. And they're going to have their hands full. Carson Wentz has always played well against the Giants. It seems like this divisional rivalry hasn't really been a rivalry. The Giants have been owned in the last seven or eight seasons. So it is a tough game. Well, we we're, we it's a short week. You know, we have to, we said, we have to, we have yeah. to get out the kinks. We have to get it. We'll be sore. Jeez. We're still sore from the uh, Washington game, but <laughs> we have to make a pick. So I'll make a pick. You know what? Miles Sanders, I think he might be out. We'll see about a knee injury. He had 118 yards against yeah. the Ravens. He's a, he's a big deal for them. But, you know, I don't want to be a killjoy. The Giants are coming off a win. Uh, they're playing a team that has one win. Right. But um, I've seen too many Lincoln Financial Field, close games, bad games. Uh, I'm haunted by the Giants offensive line getting beat by the Eagles defensive line year after year after year. Eagles will be desperate. The Giants will be desperate. The Eagles are coming off the loss. The Giants are coming off a win. Um, I think the Eagles win. I'm not going to give you a score right now. I don't even know if the score is relevant right now. It's just that the Giants need to win to kind of make them feel good. And I don't know if they can do it. Well, I've only got to celebrate this one for six hours. And then I am going to pick the Giants to win 24 to 21. Graham Gano. Field goal late. And I'm going to take the Eagles 27-20. I said 2017 this last game, and it's 2019, so it's pretty close prediction there. Um, but, yes, I think short week, it's just going to be tough, especially what the Eagles did in the second half. I think that carries over. Uh, coming up next, it is about that time. All right, it's that time where Lawrence Tynes sounds off on a topic surrounding Big Blue. This week's edition of Tynes Take is on Giants fans, and it's time to celebrate. Here it is, Tynes Take. Don't be afraid to celebrate the Giants win yesterday, Giants fans. Have a drink. Wear your Giants gear. Celebrate. We deserve it. I'm on social media, just like the rest of you. I see the, we barely beat a bad team, or that was an ugly win. You know what's ugly? 0-6 is ugly. 0-6 on a short week, heading down the turnpike to play the Eagles. That's ugly. That win yesterday was a thing of beauty. We last won a football game 301 days ago against the same team, but they had a different name. That alone should tell you how long it's been since we last won. We haven't done enough winning around here to be picky on how they should look or what they should feel like. Winning games in the NFL is hard, and we have made it look damn near impossible at times. Here's what we are. The New York Giants, we are a 1-5 football team in a really bad division one game out. And that's all we can ask for heading into late October. Giants Nation, enjoy this win because we don't know when the next one is coming. Joining Blue Rush now is a Super Bowl 46 champion wide receiver and a fan favorite. 
He had over 1,500 receiving yards in his first full season in that Super Bowl year in 2011, where he also had that NFL record touchdown for the longest ever. 99 yards, it's happened a couple times, but pretty damn impressive, and it came against the lowly Jets. He celebrated his touchdown with the infamous salsa heard around the world. He leads the Victor Cruz Foundation. You can catch him on Giants.com, breaking down the team. You can see him on the E! Entertainment Network. He's a co-host there. He's a fashion god. It's number 80, Cruz. Victor Cruz joins Blue Rush. Follow him on Twitter at Team Vic and Instagram at Victor Cruz. Cruz, it's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, your old teammate here. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing. I'm. I'm better now after that introduction, man. I need to take you on a roll with Jake. I'll give incredible. you an intro now. Yeah, I am the official bar mitzvah MC hype man. I add that to my LinkedIn and my resume. I do. Oh, ne- I do need oxygen after that. I. Ne- I need to breathe a little <laughs> bit. So I'll let you take the floor here, Cruz. I mean, the Giants are are victors, victory, victors. That's why we have you on tonight. Uh, how does it feel to be in the winning column, man? Man, it feels good. You know, obviously, as an alumnus, as a former Giant, as a fan of the game now, it just felt good to see the Giants win. It wasn't a pretty one, um, but we'll, we'll take it, you know, we'll take them at times, you know, we'll take them as they come, you know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, it was good to see them get a win. It was good to see the defense really fight. I mean, the defense has been, at least the last couple of weeks, that defense has been, you know, surprised me in terms of how much they fought and scratched and clawed and just, you know, obviously haven't been, you know, offense hasn't put them in the best situation, but they made the best of it, maybe forcing field goals or making turnovers or getting three and out, punting the ball. So I think the defense has been uh, a lot of bend but don't break and they've been holding up. And now did the offense could just, if they can rally around and, and, and start to pick up their play a little bit, particularly in the red zone, uh, we'll be all right. Yeah, they're making some timely plays on that side of the ball for sure. Hey, let's go back. The first thing I think, you know, obviously your salsa is one of the things you're most famous for. But the the thing I think about when I when someone says Victor Cruz is the 99 yard catch against the Jets in a must win game, we needed it. I know you've talked about it a hundred times. Walk me through that play again. Oh man, so it was uh it was a play we run a hundred times, and you know it was just a, a simple hook route by me at the slot position. And I remember looking out pre snap and being like, man, okay, it's inside leverage. I don't know how Kamari's gonna play it on the corner, but there's a chance I might get this ball just because the the defender over me is playing inside and I'm breaking out. So I go through my route and I uh, come out of the break and I you know I see Eli through the ball and on my break I can see that the defender that was inside leverage on me kind of jumped. He tried to jump the route. So in my head, when I see that, I'm like, oh, I got I got some space. I, again, I don't know where Cromartie is. He didn't stay kind of close. So I know if I catch this ball and make a guy miss, I got some space to, to maneuver. So as soon as I caught it, I immediately got my eyes around. I saw where Cromartie was, put my foot in the ground, and kind of made a little jump cut inside. And then it was just off to the races. And then I was literally looking at that defender. I think it was Brian Smith is his name, uh, or Eric Smith. He was uh, the safety at the time. And I remember looking at him and being like, if you catch me, I don't even know the level of ridicule that I'm going to get from my teammates if I let you catch Hey, slow white dude. He's not catching you. Yeah, it was just like, I can't can't let this happen. I can't can't go back to the locker room on Wednesday or Monday when we're going over film and I got to answer to this to the teammates. So 
I just made sure I, I got a you know a little extra juice there and lifted my legs up as he tried to swipe and then got in the end zone and it was salsa time after that man everybody knows that yeah I mean ninety nine yards in one sitting I haven't ran ninety nine yards in my life it's it's peak dad bod season here um, fat boy is not running ninety nine yards so I was impressed by that I would have needed oxygen immediately you kind of took off Victor quickly after that first year where you played a couple games what was that whirlwind like for you you go from this undrafted guy from the zoo that's right. I know a little bit about UMass and the zoo. Uh, I had friends who went there. So uh, you really took off and, you know, flew onto the scene. The salsa took over the world, and it all seemed to happen overnight for you. Yeah, it was a – I mean, there's, for lack of a better word, it was just fun, man. I mean, to just, you know, have that roller coaster season, coming from where I come from, and then having that – this type – you know, that type of season, and then going on and topping it off and winning a Super Bowl on top of that. It was just like – I remember after the game, after the Super Bowl, just looking at – up into the sky like, man, who – like, what – like, how am I supposed to top this? Like, how – like, where am I supposed to go from here? I've checked every box, and I've, I've lived a dream. That, that that was the dream season for me. So how do I continue to, to tell the story and continue to do my thing? So I just remember, you know, the different family members, the new family members I acquired after this, you know, newfound fame and success, um, all of that fun stuff. My daughter being born the same year. It was just literally one of the best years of my life. Um, that I can look back on and, and, and hang my hat on for sure. So, Vic, you, we obviously played with some special guys, Hakeem Nix, Morrow Manningham. When you look at this current roster, this current team, I mean, obviously a Slayton's a guy who sticks out and makes some splash plays. Do you think they have a true number one right now with him? Um, I think they do. I think within this offense and within what they, how they try and operate, I think Slayton works for this offense. Um, I think he is a true number one, but I do feel like, they need someone. I mean, I, like as you know, on any team, you need someone. Else. You need someone else that the that the defense is going to come out there and say, okay, not only do we have to account for Slayton, but we got to account for Evan Ingram on you know as well as a as a pass catcher. We got to bank on you know somebody else in the offense. Obviously, with Saquon Barkley being hurt and having that focal point of your offense being gone. You got to have somebody that the defense is coming in to have to game plan for, at least from the secondary perspective, in order for Darius Slayton to continue to have the level of success that he's having. I think they're picking their spots this year because he's kind of the only proven guy in that receiving core, obviously, with Sterling Shepard being hurt and Golden Tate in and out of the roster due to some injuries and things like that. So he's the only proven guy. So he's getting a lot of attention. So they're picking their spots on when they get in the football. But I do think he's the number one, but he just needs some help in order to just keep that, keep those defenses honest so he's not seeing two and three guys in his face every time he runs around. Are you frustrated at all with Daniel Jones and the turnover problems? Obviously, today it was it was a it was a wrong call. I mean, the refs got that wrong. His elbow was out. Um, but another game and another turnover. Do you look at that kind of just being part of the, you know, the growing process? And you you still think he is this franchise quarterback, um, or are you concerned with what you've seen? Obviously, he didn't have a great game today, but they did win. Yeah, I'm 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 still believing. I have to understand that he's obviously doesn't have his full ammunition behind him with Sterling and guys being in, you know, roster just being uh in you know, hurt with some injuries and obviously losing Saquon Barkley hurts you tremendously as a quarterback when you try to keep these defenses honest and try to go over the top. You need a guy like Saquon to do that. So I think he's still the guy. I think when you look at from a leadership perspective and how you want your quarterback to act and perform and and carry themselves. I think he has all of those things, especially playing in, in New York City. I think he's kind of innately had that, and I think he's learned even more of that with Eli Manning last year. So, um, But I think he's still the guy. I think you got to still give him the benefit of the doubt. The only thing I don't like is that, you know, 
depending on how we shape out at, at the end of the year, record-wise, you know, Trevor Lawrence is sitting there <laughs> kind of in the in the wings kind of thing. So it's, it's a tough decision for the Giants to make, you know, to pass on a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who's an exceptional talent, and you put all your eggs in the Daniel Jones basket, at least early on. Well, Victor, you don't have to worry about that. The Jets are like the worst franchise in NFL history right now, so they are pretty much a lock. So. <laughs> that is true. Hey, let's. Um, true. I want to talk about their red zone struggles. You obviously played offense. Is red zone offense a personnel or scheme issue? Is it a little bit of both? Because I, I couldn't help but think about the touchdown the Redskins scored today with Logan Thomas. He's like six seven. They throw the ball up. We don't have a guy on offense that has that kind of size in the red zone. We just actually don't have any size, period, to be honest. Is it scheme? Is it players? What what makes a good offensive red zone football team? I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes you have to have, you know, have your personnel where you'd be like, you know what, we're just gonna line them up, throw this ball in the corner of the end zone like like the Redskins did today, and have our guy make a play over their guy. And sometimes you have to do that. And then obviously if you personnel wise, if you don't have that type of player, okay, now the team, how do I high low some of these linebackers? How do I create how do I, you know, as a quarterback, how do I use my eyes to shift the secondary to create those open holes and execute at a high level? I think that's the biggest thing that I see. We're it, we're just not executing in the red zone at the high level. We're not having any problems getting there because we're making plays. We're getting ourselves down there. But when it comes to executing in the in the red zone, it's just been a struggle. And I don't know if it's personnel. I don't know if it's you know if it's just execution or what play call. You know, I think it's more so whatever whatever call is being called. It's about how do you execute that play to the highest level and put put out there what you've been doing in practice, which have looked so successful. I would just like to see Daniel move more down there. I don't know why, like the RPO stuff. I mean, the stuff that works to get them there. But to your point, yeah, they are. They can move the ball between the 20s. It's just when they get down there, it's almost like get the field goal team ready. It it feels like they just lose confidence for some reason. It just literally, when they get inside the 20, it looks like the air just goes out of the team and they're like, all right, here. It's like they know that they're, you know, whatever their record is in the red zone as an offense. It's like they they listen to that just the minute they get down there and they're like, we suck down here. So let's just tank it and get the field goal team out there. Instead of anchoring down a little bit more and being like, let's dig a little deeper and execute a little bit better so that maybe we can see some different results. Yeah. And, you know, we love seeing fellow Scottish kicker Graham Gano out there. He's been killing. it out there but I mean let's get some touchdowns over field goals over here Um, let's mix in a question from Twitter from at big blue VCR as a player who was able to feed off the crowd and the crews cheer at home how difficult (laughs) Victor would it be uh, to play in front of an empty stadium if faced with that situation that is going on in 2020 Man, it'd be it'd be very difficult for me, and, and I know you know a lot of players feed off of that, right? Like you just hear that momentum, and it gives you the energy. You know, you feel like this is a big drive, and not just because you're on the field and you know the time and the circumstance, but the fans and the energy of the stadium let you know how big the drive is. When when it's third down and you can hear a pin drop, and then all of a sudden that big play happens and the, the stadium just erupts like those. You can't make those things up. You can't manufacture those things. Um, so it definitely, I'm sure it plays a part, but, you know, similar to the NBA bubble, you, your teammates and your team has to find a way to stay engaged on the sideline so that they you can feed off of that energy. That's the only way that you're going to be successful and find that juice is if your teammates are juiced just right there for you on the sideline, screaming at you, keeping you abreast on what's going on in the secondary, just having that vocal sideline would go a long, long way, similar to, uh, you know, what your team would do, uh, what the bench would be like in a, in a basketball atmosphere. All right, another question from Twitter uh, from at SIG1056. Out of Cruz, Hakeem, and Mario, who benched 
pressed the most? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, a good, man, that's a good question. But that it had to be me. Vic. Uh, don't be, don't be yeah, bashful. Was... He, Victor was strong. And Mario just showed up. Mario was just a show-up guy, but a baller. And then Hakeem 100%. was just – Hakeem was just naturally – Hakeem was just naturally gifted. Like, he was just one of those dudes that, like, yes. came out and was just lean to the run, big hands, and could make it happen. I was a kid in, at Little UMass, you know, pounding on the weight to make sure I was making mm-hmm. it happen. And I could take these NFL hits because I was going to be pretty much a slot receiver that was going to go out go in there and block and, and, and do all the gritty work, you know? All right, another one from Sig Sig ten fifty six. I like this one too. Was you know the we ask every you know guy from that team, and we've had a lot of your teammates on about Coughlin time. Uh, but we're curious the uh, the best advice that Coach Coughlin ever gave you. Oh man, the best advice that Coach Coughlin ever. I don't know if it's advice. I think it was more so of an awakening for me. Right. So my second year in the league. Um, obviously that my rookie year had the, you know, the great preseason that got me on the team, but the next year, my preseason wasn't so hot. Right. So it was like, it was like, you know, you, you kind of made it off of last year, but we need you to prove that you can still do those things, you know, in order for, for us to, to keep you here. So he brings me, uh, after the first day of practice that we, you know, cut our rosters down, I made the team, uh, while I'm stressing, he goes, you know, I want to see you up in my office. And I'm like, Oh boy, you don't want, you know, this, you only go up there for, for one thing and it's never good. So I go up to his office and he sits down and he's like, Hey man, you know, you know, unlike your, your uh, preseason from a year ago, this one was kind of like average or a little above average. And we want you, in order for you to play, we want us to, you know, you have to show us that you can play and you can play well, or else we got some guys in the waiver wire that we're looking at. And I left there and I was like, you know what, coach? I heard you loud and clear. And, and it was one of those things where I probably, not probably, I did. I needed to hear that so it can kind of light a match up under me. And then two weeks later, that's when the Philadelphia game happened in week three. And um and I guess, you know, the rest is history after that year. But I think it was him letting me know how real the NFL business was at that time, like woke me up, you know what I mean? And, and it really lit a fuel up under me. Victor, you accomplished a lot in your career, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, All-Pro. Anything in pro football that you didn't accomplish that you wanted to? No, nah, man, I, I did it all. I mean, I had one goal set was to play 10 years, no matter what, try and play 10, you know, get a decade into the league. I played eight, so I guess I'm, I'm, that's the only thing I probably would, would regret a little bit, but I checked every box, man. I played in the Super Bowl. I played in Pro Bowl. I made all pro. I, you know, I did, I did everything that, that you would want to do as a professional athlete in the NFL. I've accomplished it. And, um, and, and, and now I hang my, you know, I, I keep my head up high because I'm like, man, I had, I had a run. You know what I mean? I had a heck of a run. And now it's time to play a different role in this football game. And, uh, and I'm excited for what the next phase has offered me thus far and what's in the future. Yeah, man, you really built, you know, off the field a lot for you. I mean, you have, you, you know, you're like J- Jamaican, a man of so many jobs here. You can, <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're doing so much. The injuries had to have taken a toll towards the end. You know, we, you talked about the highest of highs. Take us through kind of the lowest of lows and the rehabs and trying to fight through those injuries and maybe the frustrations that come along with it because we see it all the time in the NFL. We've seen it, you know, just Dak recently, Saquon recently, and guys going through severe injuries. And I have to imagine mentally uh, towards the end there, that did take a toll. Yeah, 100%. All throughout, you know what I mean? Anytime you face a setback or you face an injury, you have all these questions that play a role in your mind, all these different scenarios that you try to paint. You start worrying about your family. What am I going to do if I can't play again? Like, you have all of these thoughts that circle through your brain, and it's, it really takes a toll on you mentally. I mean, physically, you're going to be fine, right? Your legs are going to be better. Your arm's going to heal. Whatever it is, you know that those bones and those ligaments are going to heal at some point, but it's mentally, are you going to feel the same? Are you going 
going to be able to connect your mental to the physical and connect the two things and have that confidence in your need to make that same cut, have that confidence in that need to explode and jump up and catch the football again. You know what I mean? Those are the things that really play tricks on your mind as you start to get better and as you start to get back out there and be physical again. So, um, I, I, you know, I was sad about all those guys that got hurt this year, you know, thus far and guys that, you know, obviously financially looking forward to changing their lives in the future and what that holds. And it's just so fortunate that this game is so great. Um, but on the flip side, it can bring so much, you know, you know, pain and agony and, and mental frustration. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's that's what, you know, anybody that plays the game of football loves is, is the, the highs are so high and you feel so good and you're at the top of your game, but the lows can be can be really low. Yeah, they they for sure can. Hey, you're you're around the organization a lot more than most people. Obviously, you have some media obligations. What what do you like about Joe Judge? Because obviously, I, I'm watching from afar. He he has a lot of Coughlin's qualities, but he he does things his own way. I I think this is the right guy. You agree? I, I do agree. And, and it was funny because after uh, the game today, I was just watching his temperament and, and just listening to him at the podium and listening to him when he speaks. He just has the perfect temperament for what this team needs. And he's literally Coach Coughlin, in my like my opinion. He has that. He has kind of those attributes that Coach Coughlin had, that stoic nature that whatever is about this team is going to stay within this team. And he's going to deep. He's going to dig deep within each and every one of his players and get the best out of them, no matter what. You know what I mean? And I think he has. He embodies those same characteristics. And he's the same guy. Win, lose, or draw. I think Daniel Jones is the same way. When you talk to him after the game, they take the wins the same. They embrace the losses and say we got to be better and take it with the, You know, take him on the chin. And that's what you want out of the leaders of your football team, being your head coach and your quarterback, is guys that hold themselves accountable for the wins just as much as the losses. And I think he does that. And I think the players embody that kind of mentality too. You know what I mean? There was a lot of hey, we're happy we won for Joe Judge in the locker room today, and that that says a lot. When you're when your players down below are saying that for the coach, they obviously care about him. One hundred percent, and it's good to see. And even after the game was locked in and they won, and you could see all the different players coming up to him, shaking his hand, and giving him a hug. Like they know how important this win was for him. I'm sure they were saying this all week about how important this game is, obviously in, in the division and all of those things. But I'm sure internally the kid, you know, the guys in the locker room are like, man, we got to get this one for Coach Judge. And I think that probably served a, as a little bit more motivation for this week as opposed to any other week. What was Lawrence Tynes like as a teammate? We know he was apparently the cool guy, yeah, back got- of the bus, bus one, uh, riding with the cool <laughs> fellas. What, can you have any good stories of Tynesy? Man, I was always just envious of Tynesy, man. Obviously, Tynesy was a kicker, so they didn't have many meetings. and They didn't, have, they didn't meet very much. So every time I was in the locker room on a little break, we had a little three-and-a-half-minute breaks between, uh, you know, lessons and learning what we needed to learn. I'd be in the locker room, Tynesy just in the jacuzzi, warming his muscles <laughs> up, you know, hanging out, maybe a little cold up, maybe a little sauna. A contrast back out. We had a little concert. I'm like, okay, this, this guy's living the dream. You know what I mean? But the guy kicked us to a Super Bowl, man. And, and, and uh, you know, he's he's been one of those guys, literally one of those glue guys in our locker room. When he talks, people listen. And he's always had it. I never met one guy that didn't like Lawrence Pines and didn't like what he brought to the game of football. And uh, I was just honored to be your teammate. And I went on that field a hundred more times yelling, we, we, we made it to the damn Super Bowl. Oh, it's uh, the greatest video. It's one of my favorite videos. <laughs> it's the best video. I, 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 I let my daughter watch it the other day. And she was like, Daddy, were you cursing? I was like, nope, I wasn't. <laughs> no, was like, but $5 yes. in the jar. $5 in the jar. <laughs> $5. <laughs> 
No, I appreciate that. You're the best. You know that. You know how much I care about you. But we had we had some good dudes, man. And, and Victor Cruz is a brand, and he's a person, and he's so successful off the field because how he treated people. And you can see his success now. People want to see him. People want him on their shows just like we do. And you know how much we all love you. No, it's always love, times always. Sign up that Super Bowl ring for me, baby. We got we got yes, uh, our anniversaries coming up. Yeah, next year. Yeah, I I talked to you at a charity event. And I've never felt uglier. I mean, I I was in like my <laughs> finest place. I thought I was looking fresh too. I had a nice blazer on. I was like swagged out. And then I got Cruz here. You know, the brown blazer. I think it was a Thurman Munson Awards dinner okay. or something. And you were looking fresh to death. And I thought I was. And then I'm like, all right, I'm it's Victor Cruz. I look <laughs> I look like a freaking like bum off the Nordstrom rack over here. Uh, Stop so. It. <laughs> uh that i mean last one for you that you know creating your brand and doing all that and the salsa and everything did you set that up during your career knowing the importance and knowing the spotlight of new york we talk about you know the bright lights here in the big city and some guys can't handle it but did you kind of focus on that in your career and the importance of that and how that could lead to what you're doing now um at least not initially i think you know the salsa thing kind of came through my coach sullivan who was uh the quarterback coach on our team mike sullivan at the time and he was like man you, you know i was getting my first star and he was like you got to do something to represent your culture it's hispanic heritage month like you got to hold it down and at first i was like coach i'm a free agent i'm getting my first start i'm not about to go out here and dance and like what are you like i'm just trying to make sure i catch this football from this hall of fame quarterback behind me and not drop anything and make sure i'm where i'm supposed to be and how i'm supposed to be so he pressed me all week long, and it just kind of happened after that game, uh, the Philadelphia Eagle game, the, the salsa kind of took off. But then it wasn't until, you know, the game started to transpire and, the, and, and it started to go on where I started to, you know, kind of think about what I should be doing off the field or kind of thinking about how I can parlay this and, and make myself a brand off the field. But obviously I knew number one thing, none of that happens without the football being football. Football had to be number one, and my focus on football had to be number one. And everything else was, was secondary to that. But I definitely, you know, after it started to take off a little bit, I'd be, you know, I'd be stupid not to think about how I can monetize this uh, this, uh, this opportunity that I had. Well, I like you kind of kept it simple. And a lot of guys, you know, will come up with a new, whatever the dance is, whatever's going on at that time. And you just kept it with the salsa. Was that your goal? You just always wanted to be the salsa guy? Well, I think it was just I'm half black, half Puerto Rican. I grew up in a Hispanic household, so it was organic. It was just innate. I think that's what that's what the people love even more is that like this is actually something that speaks to his culture and who he is and where he's from. On top of it being just like a dope dance to do in the end zone after you score a touchdown. So it actually, not only is it dope in the end zone to see and watch as a fan. But it's also real and correlates to his actual life because he's Puerto Rican and learned how to dance with his grandmother in the living room and grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. Like he, you know, I was one of them. You know what I mean? I was just like everybody else in their eyes. And I still face that in the grocery store when they ask me to dance by the poultry, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, so they still, you know, I, I felt like one of them. You know, one of the guys from Patterson that just happened to make it to this stage and, and, and do it for the world to see. Hey, Victor was so famous, Jake, that he made everyone on our team money everybody made money remember the camp I, I was in a Campbell soup commercial with Victor for like a millisecond and yeah, made all I kinds of money <laughs> I mean it, that's how famous this guy was there we go that's what, it, that's what it's about well do you go to like the grocery store and people are like do the salsa do the salsa like I have to imagine it kind of gets annoying I, I, I do I do go to the grocery store and now obviously with the you know with the pandemic and everything I'm like yes I get to wear a mask I can like mm -hmm. be free and walk around <laughs> 
but it still doesn't work. Because somehow people just know my eyebrows or like my eyelashes <laughs> because they still recognize me. And they're literally like, can we see the dance? And I'm like, guys, I got like a gallon of milk in my cart. I got some donuts with me. I'm like, I'm in the middle of something. I'm not going to dance. But now my thing is like, if you're going to ask me to dance, I'm going to ask you to dance with me. So we both look like fools over here in the milk, in the milk section. Of the store. <laughs> so many, so, tic- so many TikToks waiting to happen. Yeah. I, I imagine there's a lot of <laughs> lovely ladies who could recognize your eyebrows from a million miles away. So, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a first. I've never heard someone being recognized for their eyebrows, but it was just, and I was like, how'd you know it was me? I'm like, how'd you know it was me? And they were like, man, I know those eyes and eyebrows. And I'm like, okay, I got to go. I got to get out of here. That's that's when you're real famous. He's still famous. <laughs> that's me when people see that I got cocoa butter all over my bald head that people can spot from a mile away. So the famous bald head of Jake Brown. Victor Cruz, number 80. You catch him on E. He's an entertainment co-host there. He's a fashion god. Victor Cruz Foundation. Follow him on Twitter at Team Vic. Instagram at Victor Cruz. Victor, we love talking to you, man. And uh, next time I, I see you, I'm going to have the finest blazer that you've ever mm. seen because I'm going to look better than you do that day. So. All right. I'm, I'm going to hold you to it now. I'm going to critique it next time I see you. All right, man. We appreciate All the right, time. Thanks. No problem. See you, Tynesy. Thanks for having me, man. That will say goodnight to episode 45, the Homer Jones edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Catch up on all Blue Rush episodes by finding us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get pods. Please give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. See you all on a special Friday edition of Blue Rush following the Thursday night game against the Eagles. Enjoy the game, folks, and stay safe.